we know that people's frustrations run deeper than these most recent political battles. Their frustrations rooted in their own daily battles to make ends meet, to pay for college, buy a home, save for retirement. It's rooted in the nagging sense that no matter how hard they work, the deck is stacked against them. And it's rooted in the fear that their kids won't be better off than they were. They may not follow the constant back and forth in Washington or all the policy details, but they experience in a very personal way the relentless decades-long trend that I want to spend some time talking about today. And that is a dangerous and growing inequality and lack of upward mobility that has jeopardized middle-class America's basic bargain. That if you work hard, you have a chance to get ahead. I believe this is the defining challenge of our time. Making sure our economy works for every working American. The premise that we're all created equal is the opening line in the American story. And while we don't promise equal outcomes, we've strived to deliver equal opportunity. The idea that success doesn't depend on being born into wealth or privilege, it depends on effort and merit. And with every chapter we've added to that story, we've worked hard to put those words into practice. It was Abraham Lincoln, the self-described poor man's son, who started a system of land-grant colleges all over this country so that any poor man's son could go learn something new. When farms gave way to factories, a rich man's son named Teddy Roosevelt fought for an eight-hour workday, protections for workers, and busted monopolies that kept prices high and wages low. When millions lived in poverty, FDR fought for social security and insurance for the unemployed and a minimum wage. When millions died without health insurance, LBJ fought for Medicare and Medicaid. Together, we forged a new deal, declared a war on poverty and a great society. We built a ladder of opportunity to climb and stretched out a safety net beneath it so that if we fell, it wouldn't be too far and we could bounce back. And as a result, America built the largest middle class the world has ever known. For the three decades after World War II, it was the engine of our prosperity. Now we, we can't look at the past through rose-colored glasses. The economy didn't always work for everyone. Racial discrimination locked millions out of opportunity. Women were too often confined to a handful of often poorly paid professions. And it was only through painstaking struggle that more women and minorities and Americans with disabilities began to win the right to more fairly and fully participate in the economy. Nevertheless, during the post-World War II years, the economic ground felt stable and secure for most Americans. And the future looked brighter than the past. Some that meant following in your old man's footsteps at the local plant. And you knew that a blue collar job would let you buy a home and a car, maybe a vacation once in a while, health care, 
a reliable pension. But when the music stopped and the crisis hit, millions of families were stripped of whatever cushion they had left. And the result is an economy that's become profoundly unequal and families that are more insecure. So the basic bargain at the heart of our economy has frayed. And it challenges the very essence of who we are as a people. That should offend all of us. And it should compel us to action. We are a better country than this. The combined trends of increased inequality and decreasing mobility pose a fundamental threat to the American dream, our way of life, and what we stand for around the globe. So what drives me as a grandson, a son, a father, as an American, is to make sure that every striving, hardworking, optimistic kid in America has the same incredible chance that this country gave me. We've also got to strengthen our safety net for a new age so it doesn't just protect people who hit a run of bad luck from falling into poverty, but also propels them back out of poverty. We shouldn't weaken fundamental protections built over generations. Because given the constant churn in today's economy and the disabilities that many of our friends and neighbors live with, they're needed more than ever. We should strengthen them and adapt them to new circumstances so they work even better. But understand that these programs of social insurance benefit all of us because we don't know when we might have a run of bad luck. You understand that turning back rising inequality and expanding opportunity requires parents taking responsibility for their kids, kids taking responsibility to work hard. It requires religious leaders who mobilize their congregations to rebuild neighborhoods block by block. It requires civic organizations that can help train the unemployed, link them with businesses for the jobs of the future. It requires companies and CEOs to set an example by providing decent wages and salaries and benefits for their workers and a shot for somebody who's down on his or her luck. And we know that's our strength, our people, our communities, our businesses. But government can't stand on the sidelines in our efforts because government is us. It can and should reflect our deepest values and commitments. That is a dangerous and If we refocus our energies, we and run some captive That longs in all the exile here Until the Son of God appeared Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel Shall come
Cloud of-